My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC 286 fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. Before I jump in, head on over to wewantpicks.com and check out premium membership. It's only $10 a month. And for that $10, you're going to get all of our picks, all of our bets, all of our fantasy plays, a DraftKings optimizer, player pool rankings. You're going to get ownership projections for FanDuel and DraftKings. You're going to get prize picks plays, underdog fantasy plays. You're going to get raw notes. And now you're going to get detailed metrics and analytics. We have rolled out 30 eight columns of detailed information that will help you find your spots and place your own bets, make your own decisions, and decide on what your lineup is going to look like. All of this is available at wewantpicks.com. But if that 38 columns of details is a little too much for your eyes to absorb, we have taken that, we have divided it up into individual, more digestible charts so you can come in here. These are fully interactive. You can sort, you can work your way through, highlight what makes sense, and make your own decisions. All of this is available to you today at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member. It is only $10 for the entire month. Every single event in that month is included for that $10. And we have almost 2,000 of you taking advantage of everything that Premium has to offer today. And we still have the line movement tracker. This is your guys' favorite new edition. I think this was last month's rollout. This month's rollout was the detailed metrics. Next month, we have even more surprises for you. But anyway, we're going to keep adding more. We're going to keep building on that $10. It is already indisputably the best value in the market, but we're just going to keep building on that because we want to bury everybody that has anything to offer because we will offer more for less. We want picks.com only $10 a month. The line movement tracker is available for you and it is a great way to spot trends. We're going to give you the opening odds, the current odds, the current probability and what that line movement is so you can hop on or hop off a train before it's too late. And if you want 50 bucks, I will give you $50. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I will send you $50 as a thank you. That's wewantpicks.com slash bets. They're going to give me money. They're going to pay me. It's affiliate marketing. They're going to say, thank you, Angelo. You keep sending us quality players. Here's some money. And I'm going to take a piece of that money, and I'm going to give it back to you. Because without you, this doesn't work. And we are all in this together. You help me make money, I help give you some money back. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make it a deposit. I will send you $50 as a thank you. And opening up UFC 286 or UFC London, as some people are calling it, is Chris Duncan versus Omar Morales. Chris Duncan is a heavy-handed, tough-as-nails fighter who is never out of a fight. He got a UFC call-up because of his wild come-from-behind victory over Charlie Campbell on the Contender Series, where this dude was on ice skates. He was 80% knocked out, but he kept coming forward, he kept swinging, and he got his own one-punch knockout. And that's not a unique position for him either. He has more than one fight where he has been dropped, recovered, and then came back to win. Style-wise, he's an accurate striker with really low hands, lots of power, and a willingness to bang. Omar Morales is a good kickboxer with really nice kicks and solid takedown defense at 63%. He's very strong and he likes to come forward. And he does this really well by ending all of his combinations with a forward step. And before you know it, he has walked you down to hold center or to get you against the cage. He doesn't have a ton of offensive takedowns in the UFC. I think he only has like three 
but he is at 100% takedown accuracy, and he may use that in this fight. He's coming off that loss to Uros Medic, where he was knocked down twice and KO'd in the second round. And this is a tricky fight because Omar will be the far more technical striker, but Chris is going to be the much more durable guy. And I think this looks something like Chris's previous fights, right? He's going to get dropped, he's going to recover, and he's going to manage to pull out a win. Omar has also been chinny as of late, and we've not really seen him be able to recover the way that we watched Chris recover. Anything can happen in this fight. I do like Chris here. I threw a half a unit money line to him at minus 108. So almost even money. I got Chris Duncan here. So we'll see how that plays out. I do expect that line to move. Premium members, that has been on the board for over a week now. So hopefully you're going to get some closing line value. If you're not a premium member, become one now. If you are a premium member, link your Discord. The very second we place bets, they go in that Discord, especially for pay-per-views. We're placing bets weeks in advance because those lines come out a lot earlier. Then we got Sam Patterson taking on Yanal Ashmaz. Sam Patterson is very tall, he's very long, and he is a striker. He's an insane six foot four. And while he doesn't really use his length very well for striking, he does use it really well on the ground. On his feet, he's got accurate boxing, and because he's so long, he can have some power as well. His takedown defense needs a lot of work, but as I mentioned, he uses his length well on the ground. He's constantly wrapping something up, looking for a submission. He's so freaking long, he's just, he's just literally doing whatever he wants in any position because he can grab anything. Look at the reach difference here, 70 or 78 inches to 70 inches. Yanal Ashmaz is a well-rounded guy who does a great job adjusting in fights. He'll come out as a striker, he'll throw heavy, he'll work in spinning attacks, and then he'll adjust. He'll turn into a wrestler if he didn't have the success that he wanted to on his feet. He has a solid chin, a very solid base, and he can be heavy on top. And there's nothing like explicitly amazing about him, but he's strong, he's powerful, and he can grind wins out. I don't know why Sam is such a massive favorite here. And I wanted about, I watched about five or six of his fights, and he looked bad in almost all of them. For example, yes, he knocked out Felipe Silva, and it was early, but he got cracked hard more than once. And then he just caught Felipe when Felipe was charging in. And I watched that fight, and I was like, this dude is hittable. Then if you watch Sam versus Amir, he was taken down and rode out for two full rounds, just ragdolled taken down, they did whatever he wanted to him for two rounds, he just could not defend a takedown to save his life, he does land big, he ends up getting a 10-8 in the third round, which made it a draw, and my point overall here is that Sam Patterson has tools and he can be dangerous, but he is not the minus 270 favorite that the odds makers are telling you that he is, he can be taken down easily, and I think Yanal wins this fight. He hits hard. He has the wrestling. We know Sam cannot defend a takedown. So Yanal's the pick. I threw a quarter of a unit on him at plus 230. For me, that's 25 bucks. A unit for me is $100. So I threw $25 on him at plus 230. And what's funny, the odds do mess with your head. Because I genuinely think Yanal wins this fight. And if he was a minus 150 favorite, I'd probably put a unit and a half on him. But because I see he's such a massive underdog, I tell myself I must be missing something here. So then I curb my bet a little bit. So let me know in the comments. I'm always curious when I am this far off from the bookies, 
what other people are thinking. I felt this way with Bruno Fajeda against Rayu Rodriguez. I ended up being right. I forget who the huge underdog was the week before that. I ended up being right. So I just, you know, I've been wrong many times as well. But I do let the odds influence me if I know what they are before I place the bet. Obviously, you need to know what they are when you place the bet. But I saw the odds and I was like, I got to go Yanal here. So anyway, let me know what you think about this fight. I'm very, very curious why I'm so high on Yanal and nobody else is. Then we have Christian Leroy Duncan, and he's taking on Dusko Todorovic. Christian Leroy Duncan is a high-pressure fighter with six finishes in seven fights. He has multiple regional championships, and he looks to parlay that into some UFC success. He's a powerful striker who comes forward with pressure, speed, and creativity. He throws anything and everything at his opponents with no regard for what comes back his way. He's wild. Sometimes sloppy, but incredibly dangerous on his feet, and he has some solid ground and pound if he ends up on top. Dusko Todorovic is a technical striker with power, who also has takedowns and offensive BJJ to round him out. He's a high-volume guy who has almost six significant strikes per minute, but there are definitely questions about his chin. He's coming off that win over Jordan Wright where he was outgrappled in the first round, but then he completely reset, came out in the second, and got himself the knockout. And this should be an awesome fight for the fans. Two primary strikers with contrasting styles. Dusko will look to keep it technical while Christian's going to charge forward throwing kicks, flying knees, and anything else that he can dream up. I think Christian gets the win because of how powerful and reckless he can be. But if Dusko is able to stay on the outside, keep it technical, and box the brawler, he could squeak this out. So because of that, no bet for me, but Christian's going to be the pick. There's no way this fight goes the distance. Props have not dropped yet. When they do, does not go the distance. I imagine it's going to be juiced, but it's probably safe, especially to parlay. So Christian Duncan's the pick, does not go the distance in some capacity is going to be the bet when we get those odds. Then we have Jack Shore taking on Makwan Amirakani. Jack Shore is a very good grappler who likes to move forward and is constantly looking for a takedown. Both his wrestling and his striking are just similar forward pressure style. He works in kicks really nicely and he's all around a very solid fighter with a solid striking differential and more than three takedowns per fight on average. He's coming off that loss to Ricky Simone where he was the better striker, but he got clipped, dropped, and submitted. So you're going to see that he lost by submission don't think that he was just taken down easily and ragdolled and then submitted. He was dropped, which is not any better, but he was dropped and then pounced on. And the reason I say that is because he's fighting Makwan Amirakani. Not a great striker, but is a stud grappler who averages more than four takedowns per fight. Even in his last four losses, he had a combined 16 takedowns. He's definitely closer to a first-round guy than a three-round guy, but he can push a pace when he needs to. While his takedowns have been holding up, his chin has not. He's coming off that KO loss to Jonathan Pierce. And you learn a lot about undefeated fighters when they come off of losses. Some of them just lose their swagger. They spiral. They never fully get back to where they were. Others regroup, learn from it, and come back better. I am hoping Jack Shore is the comeback better guy and... We're going to see. We're going to find out in this fight. This should be a perfect matchup for him. There's no danger on the feet. Makwan Amirakani is not a dangerous guy on his feet. And Jack should be able to stay competitive in the wrestling. I like Jack Shore in this matchup, especially so close to home. 
So Jack Shore should absolutely get this done. I think the UFC has designed this matchup that way. Let's give Jack a win. Get him back in the win column. Makwan is a competitive guy. He's going to come out. He's going to wrestle heavy. There is a world where Jack is held down the whole time. But even though uh, he was dropped in that last fight, I think he showed that his striking is very, very good. He should be able to get rid of Makwan Amirakani before the judges. Then we have Mohamed Makayev, and he is taking on UFC newcomer Jaffel Filho. Mohamed Makayev is an incredible wrestler, and even though he's only listed as 8-0, he has an incredibly long and successful amateur career. He is a very dominant wrestler who has great grappling and an improving striking game as well. He has three fights in the UFC with 18 takedowns. He's coming off the submission win over Malcolm Gordon, where some holes were poked in his game. He was taken down. He was reversed. He seemed a bit sloppy. And you could argue that Muhammad Makayev, while a very good hammer, not a great nail. Chuffle Filo is a very fast-paced guy who will engage in a firefight or look to work takedowns. He can get wild with his striking, but he's fast and he does throw heat. His takedown defense is solid and he has offensive takedowns of his own as well. He's mostly looking to strike with you, but if you pressure him, he actually does not like that. He's not a very good counter or defensive striker, so he's going to back up or he's going to come forward and look to clinch or look to get that takedown. Overall, he is a solid striker who can set a pace. Even though some of the wind has been taken out of Muhammad Makayev's sails because of that last fight, he should get this done, right? As always, his wrestling pressure and pace will be the difference here. Eventually, we're going to find a spot to fade him, but this isn't it. Jaffel's a striker who will be taken down and controlled if not submitted. So, Muhammad Makayev is the pick. I'm very confident there, but I will say, Muhammad Makayev is not as good as we thought he was based off of that last fight, but he's still much better than Jaffel Filo. Hopefully that makes sense. Then we have uh, Ultimate Fighter winner Juliana Miller taking on Veronica Macedo. Veronica Macedo is a technical striker who is light on her feet and very fast. She bounces around and charges forward with lefts and rights before circling out. She's fast and creative with her striking, but not very powerful. While her striking can be fun, she has no defensive wrestling whatsoever and easily gets taken down. Juliana Miller is inexperienced. She only has four professional fights, but she's very focused and very intense. She isn't the most skilled fighter, but she's going to work for your money. She's very aggressive and comes forward immediately. While she can be wild on her feet, she is a grappler at heart. And if she can get you to the ground, she has impressive scramble skills and can probably snatch something up in a transition. She's coming off that win over Brogan Walker to become the ultimate fighter champion. She won that fight with grappling, but it was clear that she's not polished yet and she still needs a good amount of work. Even though Juliana looks sloppy in her last fight, she's got to be the pick here, right? She should be able to get it to the ground and grind out a win here. If this fight stays standing, Veronica is going to have a speed and technical advantage. We haven't seen Veronica fight in three years, so she could come out looking horrendous, or she could show up with some takedown defense and just steal this win as a sizable underdog. The pick's going to be Juliana Miller because she should be able to wrestle her way to a win, but Veronica is a very, very good striker who is much better than her 1-4 record in her last five. And if she's going to beat anybody... It's going to be a UFC newcomer who only has four professional fights. So, Juliana Miller is the pick. I am staying very far away from bets here. Then we have Jai Herbert taking on Ludovic 
Klein. And it's like, UFC must hate Jai Herbert. They're like, hey, you want to fight close to home? Great. Here's a really tough matchup. Do that in front of your friends and family. So Jai Herbert is a technical striker. He likes to keep the fight at range. He's got a ton of movement on his feet. And they're never planted for more than a half a second. He's always cutting angles, fainting, and moving from side to side. I would say that makes him an elusive target, but he does have a negative striking differential. He's coming off a bounce-back win over Kyle Nelson, where he successfully defended the takedowns, and he did put out some solid volume. Ludovic Klein's a very good striker. He's smooth, fast, and accurate. He does a really nice job keeping fights technical and hiding kicks behind his jab. He never throws anything lazy or gets out of position. Although he is a very good striker, we have seen him lean on his wrestling if he's losing those exchanges. He took down Mike Trezano four times in that fight, and even though he didn't get an official takedown on Devontae Smith, he had solid cage wrestling with almost seven minutes of control. He's coming off that win over Mason Jones where he had a knockdown and seven minutes of control time in that fight where he was a big underdog. Jai Herbert is always tricky to break down because he's very good, but he just seems to find a way to lose. He's going to have the size advantage, the power and reach advantage in this fight, but I think Ludovic's technical advantage is going to be the difference. He should be able to work into the range, light up Jai's legs, and that should be able to take away Jai's movement, and then Ludovic should be able to get it done. So Ludovic's going to be the pick here. He is going to be in enemy territory if this gets to the scorecards. It's going to be interesting. But I like Ludovic Klein, and I like him to be technical. Bet Online has really cool prop bets. They usually drop them on the Fridays before fights for who's going to land more significant strikes in this fight. It's just who, who's going to land more. And then they have odds, obviously. I don't know what those are yet. We're not going to know till Friday, but I'm going to love Ludovic Klein to be the more there. He is more technical. He puts up higher volume and he stays in your face and Jai Herbert is hittable. So I like Ludovic to close the distance, touch, touch, touch. And even if he loses the fights, I think I'm going to bet on that more significant strikes landed. Make sure you are a premium member and make sure you link your Discord because the second I place that bet, I will put it in the Discord so you'll get the alert to your phone and it'll also be on the website for premium members there. So $10 a month, you're going to get access to all of our picks, all of our bets, the DraftKings Optimizer, all of the incredible data and analytics we have now added to the site, all of that for $10 a month. There is nobody out there competing at that price point, just nobody. There's people selling the spreadsheet for $10. Well, I'm giving you that with everything else for $10, including the Optimizer, which in and of itself is worth far more. We own picks.com at the top. Click become a member. It is only $10 a month, but more importantly, link the freaking Discord. You will get alerts to your phone the very second that we place bets. I'm always putting out these betting videos and I'm showing you what we got the bet at and what the line is now and it's never the same, but premium members get the alerts and they see that and they, if, if they want to tail, I don't, I don't recommend people blindly tailing, but if you like a bet, you like the odds, you hit it. Make sure you have your notifications turned on and your Discord linked. Then we have Jennifer Maya taking on Casey O'Neill, who's coming back after about a year away. Jennifer Maya is a well-rounded fighter with good BJJ, just okay wrestling, but solid boxing. She's a decision fighter, but she does push a pace and she does look for finishes. She's incredibly tough, solid everywhere, and a great measuring stick for divisional talent. She's coming off that win over Marina Moroz where her strikes had power, they did damage, and they landed whenever she wanted them to. She's taking on Casey O'Neill, and at her core, Casey O'Neill is a Muay Thai striker. 
She's got solid elbows. She's willing to brawl. She gets into firefights, but she can wrestle as well. She's got eight takedowns in the UFC. Her jujitsu is lacking a little bit, and her takedown defense was exposed in her last fight. But she is coming off that split decision win over Roxanne Monteferi, where she landed 230 strikes. But she did go 0 for 2 on takedowns, and she was taken down herself twice. This should be a Casey O'Neill special. She should be able to come forward, keep up the volume, and then wrestle. If I didn't see the Roxanne Monteferi fight, then I would legit bet everything on Casey here, and I would throw her in the safety parlay. But I did watch that Roxanne Monteferi fight, and watching her not get takedowns, watching her get taken down, does worry me that this could stay on its feet. And if this stays on its feet, Casey should still have a striking advantage, but Maya's hands looked great in her last fight, and I don't want to find out how good Casey's striking actually is or is not. Casey's going to be the pick, but I'm definitely hoping she has more successful grappling entries in this fight than she did in her last fight. Hopefully that year away was to button some of those things up because Jennifer Maya, while she is only two and three in her last five, is not an easy outing for anybody. Casey O'Neill's the pick. I'm staying away with bets for now. We'll see what happens as the fight gets closer as some props drop, but this is uh, this is not as cut and dry as these odds are going to make you think. Then we have Jake Hadley taking on Malcolm Gordon. Jake Hadley's a well-rounded guy. He's got solid boxing and timing on his feet with decent takedowns and aggressive BJJ on the ground. Hadley's a very good fighter with titles in multiple regional promotions. He can strike, he can grapple, and he can stick to a high-pace 15-minute fight. He's coming off that win over Carlos Candelario where... He had a close first round. He wore all that damage on his face because he's pale like Jacob. He was taken down, but then he threw up a triangle and had some solid elbows for a slick finish. So you're going to see first, you know, you're going to see a quick finish for Jake Hadley in that fight, but it had its moments and he wore that damage. Malcolm Gordon is a BJJ black belt with decent striking. He has a really high striking guard and he likes to come forward, which in the past has opened him up to be taken down. But ultimately that's fine because he wants to be on the ground. He averages almost two takedowns per fight, but has a low 30% takedown accuracy. Because of his chin, his path to most fights is on the ground. He's coming off that loss to Mohamed Makayev where despite giving up six takedowns, he managed to get a sweep get his own slam takedown, and just show the world how tough he actually is. I think Malcolm Gordon won a lot of people over in that last fight, right? He was supposed to get absolutely mauled, but instead he hung tough. He made Muhammad Mahayev work for it. Jake Hadley is not Mikhaev, especially not in the wrestling department, but I still think he can get the takedowns. And even without the takedowns, his hands are solid enough to win the exchanges, and his BJJ is good enough to keep him out of trouble. Hadley's going to be the pick here. I think he's probably safe to bet on. But again, if you go back and watch that Carlos Candelario fight, it was a close first round. He wore the damage, was taken down in the second, and got it done. So he should be able to get this done, but we're going to find out. I don't have any bets on him, but I know a lot of people are going to. Then we have Gunnar Nelson taking on Brian Barbarena. They love to bring Gunnar Nelson just... Out of nowhere, and just throw him on a random London card. Gunnar Nelson is a grappler with that long karate style striking where he bounces from side to side and he likes to use kicks 
to manage range. He then blitzes forward, lowers his level, and shoots takedowns. Once it hits the ground, he's got solid ground and pound and very good BJJ. His issue, though, is that his takedowns are not very good. He's got that long stance, which takes a lot of movement to go from that to shooting a takedown, and he gets hit on those entries, which is why he has an absolutely horrific striking differential of less than two to three. He's coming off his first win in four years. Brian Barberina is a fun brawler who likes to come forward. He has a good gas tank. He's a busy striker. He's not very technical, but he's got that gas. He's got that pressure that'll just sort of close up any of those technical holes. He has decent wrestling and grappling, but he almost never uses it. What makes him so fun to watch is that his entire game plan is get hit in the face and then hit your opponent. He's coming off that loss to Rafael Dos Anjos where he was taken down four times before being submitted. And a lot of people are going to see Gunner's last fight won by submission, Brian's last fight, and then just immediately decide, well, Gunnar Nelson's going to take down and submit Brian Barmerina, and that's it. But I don't think it's that cut and dry. Like, yes, Gunnar has solid BJJ, but Brian's not a bum. RDA got him, but RDA is much better than Gunnar Nelson. And I think these minus 370 odds are very wide, and I'm not going to trust the guy who basically fights once a year for the paycheck. Not, I'm just not going to trust him with my money. Does he win? Probably. I would say this is a 60-40 fight. It's not 50-50. Gunner definitely has a clear advantage on the ground. This is probably a 60-40 fight. But this would not be the first time that Brian Barberena blew out an aging vet in the underdog position just two fights ago. Look what he did to Robbie Lawler. So Gunnar Nelson's going to be the pick because of that wrestling advantage. But Brian Barberena is no slouch, and you should not be spending the minus 370. That just seems wide for somebody like Gunnar Nelson, who's been a bit inconsistent and unreliable in the past. Then we have Joanne Wood taking on Luana Carolina. Joanne Wood, you know her as JJ Calderwood, is a technical striker with solid kicks and solid pressure. She mixes up her techniques really well with knees, elbows, kicks, and punches. And when she decides to grapple, she has decent takedowns and defense. She likes to dictate the pace and has a solid volume with an impressive striking differential of almost 7-5. to five. That's even more impressive if you look at her opponents. Her last three fights are against Alexa Grasso, champion. Tyler Santos fought for the belt. Lauren Murphy fought for the belt. So it's just an absolute murderer's row of the top women in this division. Luana Carolina is a striker with solid takedown defense. She is not the most technical woman in the division, but she's fantastic in the clinch with knees and elbows. She has a Muay Thai style without that Muay Thai stance, right? She doesn't have that crazy high guard. And as I mentioned, even though she's a striker, her takedown defense is very good at 82%. And when she does get taken down, she's sort of busy down there working for submissions. Luana Carolina is a lot better than people give her credit for. She has solid wins over Lupe Godinez and Priscilla Cachero, where she essentially outvolumed them. But I don't see her being able to outvolume the far busier and far more experienced Joanne Wood. Without having to worry about the grappling, I think Wood gets her hands going. I think she finds her rhythm and I think she cruises to a decision. I threw a half a unit money line on her at minus 150. That's already moved. It's around the minus 170, minus 180 range, depending on your book and depending on when you watch this. So I only did a half a unit because the reality is she is one and four in her last five. Yes, her last loss was to Alexa Grasso, the champion. But sometimes, you know, that's just a skid that you can't stop. But I do trust her. I do think she'll get it done. Half a unit 
at minus 150 on Joanne Wood. Then we have a very, very interesting featured fight. We have Marvin Vittori taking on Roman Delize. Marvin Vittori is a grappler at his core, but he has become a striker as of late. He's got a good set of diverse takedowns, anything from a body lock to a real hit and run double. His striking continues to improve and he has gotten comfortable on his feet, which yes, is a good thing, but it's also a problem because now he's decided he's a striker in half of these fights. If you go look at the Robert Whitaker fight, he decided to be in a kickboxing match and that's just not a fight he's going to win against Robert Whitaker. Thankfully for him, his head is made of just cement and he's impossible to put away. Roman Delize is a world champion grappler. He was able to showcase those skills in his last couple of fights. Despite his grappling credentials, he has no problem marching forward, throwing bombs, and getting stuck in a striking match. He has very real power in his hands, which we saw against Dawkins, where he just lit him up in the clinch. Delize is a very well-rounded fighter and definitely streaking right now. He's coming off that win over Jack Hermanson, where he was taken down surprisingly easily, but he immediately reminded everybody that there are levels to this game. This is an awesome feature fight, and I really want to pick Roman Delize here because of how well he's done for us in the past. I can't even remember the last time that he was a favorite in a fight. We've picked him as an underdog time and time again, and he has made us plenty of money every time. And at first glance, this is going to look like it's going to be more of the same. He's got great power in his hands. He's fighting a guy that might take him down. And if that happens, he should be the much better grappler. But if you look closer, I think you start to realize he doesn't have the best takedowns. So if Marvin doesn't shoot, this likely doesn't end up on the ground. Then if it's a kickboxing match, he's absolutely going to have the power advantage. But that's not going to matter because Marvin Vittori's head is not human. He's not a human being. This dude can get hit with whatever and it doesn't matter. So then he's in a kickboxing match with somebody who has higher volume, much better cardio, and a head that doesn't matter if you hit it. And Roman does tend to fade. I think ultimately the cardio might be an issue here. So Marvin's going to be the pick, but these odds are far too wide. And I'm likely going to bet on Roman Delize inside the distance decision no action because of how dangerous and how tough he is. So... I think Roman's probably going to lose because of his cardio. But if anybody's going to win by finish, it's going to be Roman. Marvin Vittori's not going to finish Roman Delize. Therefore, Roman Delize in the plus 200 range underdog spot that he's in now wins inside the distance. Decision no action. When that drops, your book may call it finish only. I'm probably going to hammer that. I'm probably going to get some plus money on that as well. As soon as that drops, I will look to place that bet. You will see it in the Discord. If you're a premium member, make sure your Discord is linked so you get that alert on your phone. Oh, that dropped. Oh, they hit it. Let me go do the same. WeWantPicks.com. It's $10 a month. $10 a month. Everything you get, that $10 more than covers itself. Even little things like just the closing line value. Getting a line when we get it versus when you're going to get it if you're more of a Saturday kind of guy, that price difference alone covers that $10. Then we have an awesome co-main event. We have Justin Gagey taking on Rafael Fizayev. Justin Gagey is a wrestler who does not use his wrestling. He has zero takedowns in the UFC despite having a college wrestling background. He has power. He has volume. Pretty much every single strike he throws is a significant strike. Hence the almost eight landed per minute. There's no jabs. Everything is a powerful strike. Unfortunately, he's hit just as much and he has a negative striking differential. 
He marches forward, throws heavies, going to stay in your face. He loves ugly fights and he thrives in that chaos. He struggles against guys who keep it technical. Poirier, for example, had nice, clean, technical striking. Same with Oliveira, who beat him in his last fight. Rafael Fizayev is a phenomenal striker with a traditional Muay Thai style. He has incredible power and volume. He mixes his punches and kicks up really well. But what else you would not expect from him is that he can grapple as well. He's got some solid takedown defense. He's got some solid takedowns that we don't see very often from him, but they are there. He's coming off that KO win over the very durable Rafael Dos Anjos, where he was taken down twice and defended an amazing 14 takedowns. That's that very impressive takedown defense from a high caliber striker like him. Gagey struggles with technical strikers and Fizayev is exactly that. He's probably the most technical striker in the division. And even if Justin decided to work in some of that wrestling, Fizayev's 92% takedown defense is going to make that very tricky. Fizayev is absolutely the pick here. I expect nothing less than an absolute war between these two guys. Justin is not a guy who's easily put away, and Fizayev will land almost anything he wants to. This is a great co-main event. This is exactly the fight that Fizayev needs to get into those title conversations. I think this is just the drubbing from Rafael Fizayev, but Justin Gagey's so tough, so fun, that this could be uh, pretty competitive, even though it shouldn't be on paper. Then we have Leon Edwards defending his belt against Kamaro Usman. This is the third time the two of them are fighting. They are one and one, and Leon Edwards famously knocked out Kamaro Usman with less than one minute left in the third round, or in the fifth round of a fight that he was about to lose. Leon Edwards is a very well-rounded guy. He's mostly a striker. He's got really nice body kicks, nice boxing, nice wrestling. He averages more than one takedown per fight, and he was able to take down Nate Diaz four times and Kamaru Usman once in that last fight. He's good everywhere. He's got great cardio, solid fight IQ, and he's coming off that title win over Kamaru where I mentioned he was going to lose. He was a minute away from losing, and then he got that head kick knockout to steal the belt. Kamaru Usman is an accomplished wrestler who has steadily improved his striking over time. We've seen power, like when he knocked out George Masvidal. We've seen volume, like his Kobe Covington fights, where he's putting up three-digit significant strikes like it's no big deal. He has beaten every single person in his division, including Leon. He has 16 fights in the UFC with 55 takedowns and six title defenses. Other than his most recent loss to Leon, his only loss in his entire career was all the way back in 2013 in his second professional fight. I'll tell you right now, Jacob and I are split on this fight. And listen, I get it. I hear all the nonsense about Usman's got bad knees, his elbows, his joints are, he's old, he's about to retire and I just don't see that. Show me a fight where he looked old and slow. He was knocked out cold in this last fight, but he didn't look old or slow leading up to that. He was dominating. He had five takedowns. He landed 190 strikes to Leon 64. He was one minute away from another dominant win. The first round he was taken down and he was mounted, but that felt more like a surprise than anything. Like he just didn't see that coming. Kamaru is headstrong as absolute hell. He's disciplined, and he's one of the most accomplished welterweights of all time. He shows up 100% ready to wrestle, and he grinds out a win here. I don't see much striking. I am absolutely terrified that his chin has not and will never recover 
We have seen it many, many times before where somebody who had a decent chin, the chin goes and it just never comes back. I am worried that that could be the case here and he is going to have to fight a perfect fight for 25 minutes so that we don't find out what his chin looks like. But I think Usman's going to wrestle hard and I think he's going to get it done. The other narrative, you're going to hear this from Jacob, is the elevation. Leon was getting dominated for four rounds because of the elevation. I think that's nonsense. Am I going to spend the minus 240 on Usman? No, I'm not. I do think he wins. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to enjoy the fight. And the only reason I'm not spending the minus 240 on Usman is because I don't know about the chin. If he was submitted, I would spend it. But he was out cold and things are weird. It's weird how those recover, how they don't recover, what somebody's going to look like after that. When Amanda Nunes lost her belt, she came back. She was still a big favorite, but the number was relatively low. And I was like, this is the cheapest you're ever going to see her again. That should be the narrative with Usman because of the way he lost. It was a one one kick. He was well on his way to winning that fight. You're getting him at a discount at minus 240 because he was not minus 240 in the last fight. I just don't know if that chin recovered, so I'm not going to spend that money, but I do think he gets it done. Jacob has an absolutely absurd, absurd bet on Leon Edwards. Check that out if you're a premium member. It's been sitting there. I do not recommend you tail it. I do not recommend that, but go check that out because it is a wild one. Guys, don't forget, become a premium. It's $10 a month. It is 10 Even if you don't bet and you just want to show support for the channel, $10 a month. But we do continue to improve the premium experience. We have added metrics and analytics. So if you don't even care about my insight or care about my picks or bets, you can make your own. And we're giving you 38 columns of detailed metrics to help you make up your mind, help you make decisions, and help you find those spots. That's all available at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member. It's $10 a month. It will unlock literally everything from copy-paste bets and picks to tools to help you make your own decisions the optimizer, DraftKings player rankings, ownership projections, and all that, only $10 a month at wewantpicks.com. And as always, if you want 50 bucks, I will send you 50 bucks. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. I will send you $50 as a thank you.